Gabe Miller here, and I want to personally thank you for checking out our podcast. And I also want to encourage you to click the subscribe button so that each week's message will automatically show up in your feed. Another great way to stay connected with this is on our website at yourimpactchurch.com and on all of our social media outlets at Your Impact Church. I hope this message today encourages you, inspires you, and challenges you. Let's jump into the message. Better in the Christmas season. <laughs> now turn to the person that you did not choose and tell them I'm glad I get to sit next to you today. <laughs> we, we love this season. A couple of things I want to mention really quickly before we get into the message. Uh, Build Team Christmas Party, if you serve anywhere in our church, we would love for you to be here next Sunday night from 5 to 7. Uh, we have Smoking Good Eats is catering all of our food next Sunday night. If you've never had Smoking Good Eats, um, that's probably as close as you'll get to heaven <laughs> until you get there. No, <laughs> um, it's, it's going to be a great time. We love hanging out, playing games. Um, it's, a, it's a way that we... Uh, we kind of end the year together, celebrate all that God has done, and, uh, and we want you to be a part of it. So if you serve, that's anywhere, prayer team, greeting, uh, cafe, iKids, production, worship, doesn't matter where you serve, we want you to be here next Sunday evening, 5 to 7. It's going to be a fun time. Wear your, your ugly Christmas sweater if you want to do that. Uh, we do have something we're going to give away for the ugliest Christmas sweater. Last year's will be hard to top. Um, last year's was pretty ugly, um, but we're going to give it our best shot this year, so we, we look forward to seeing you next Sunday evening at 5 o'clock. Share the Hope is coming up on Saturday, December the 9th. You can turn in your items, pillows, blankets, socks, jackets, all of those things out in the lobby. There's a box out there, and uh, just drop those things in there. Go purchase those. If you want somebody else to do your shopping for you, we don't mind doing that. Uh, we have somebody who can do that. So if you'd rather just give, there is a giving link for Share the Hope and everything that's given on there uh, will be used to purchase those items specifically and even fill in some gaps where if we have more of one item than the other, then that'll go toward, toward that. So if you want to do that, you can do that as well. Uh, and then I want to encourage you, don't just donate, show up and serve. There's nothing like uh, the Christmas season being out there, being a blessing on that Saturday. You can show up at 9, help us set everything up. Uh, we're going to have um, other churches involved, some organizations in the community are going to be there as well. It's going to be a great time to just love on people this Christmas season and be a blessing to them and meet some practical needs and uh, have the opportunity to even pray for some people. It's always encouraging to me when we, uh, when we set up there people that are open to prayer and maybe have things going on in their lives or this is a difficult season of life for them as they go into the Christmas season. And so we're able to be a blessing in that way. You heard about the Christmas services and what we're doing there. That Friday night will be our... Uh, our special candlelight service, always a great time. All Christmas songs, candlelight, communion, uh, family service together. We, we love doing that every year. December 24th, we'll be online. And then December 31st, we always take the last Sunday of the year off. We call it Sabbath Sunday. And it's an opportunity for all of our volunteers and our staff and everybody to have uh, really a weekend to rest and gear up for when we come back on January 7th, which is our vision weekend. And we talk all about what God did this last year and where he's taking us, and what our word is for the year, all those things, so it's exciting. And uh, I want to take a moment, pray for another church before we get into this new series we're going to begin. Today I want to pray for Reno Church of Christ. So will you bow your heads and let's say a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for uh, the opportunity we have to be in this room. 
Lord, may we never take it for granted, and we thank you for so many amazing churches in our community that we get to partner with to build your kingdom together. Lord, we lift up Reno Church of Christ to you, and we pray that you would bless their staff, their pastor, their congregation, their leadership, everybody that's involved there in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, we are beginning a new series. We don't always do a Christmas series, but this year I felt led to do a Christmas series. So leading up to uh, our Christmas services, we're going to be in a Christmas series that we are calling Characters of Christmas. And so we're going to look at three specific characters of Christmas. And this was, I really wish we had more time because this was something where it would be really cool to talk about the shepherds and talk about the wise men and talk about, you know, all of these different uh, pieces that are a part of your nativity scene. Come on, somebody. That you uh, talk about the sheep. And No, I'm just kidding. But we, but I want to, <laughs> some of you are like, okay, is this ever going to stop? Um, so, so we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about, uh, I want to talk about the three main characters of the Christmas story. I want to talk about Joseph, I want to talk about Mary, and then ultimately we're going to talk about Jesus in this series. And what I want to do is I want to pull out some character traits uh, that sometimes we may read over or we may not notice, or maybe you've noticed before but need a reminder of, and, and some things that as we go into this Christmas season, here's my prayer for you, for all of us really, is that we would, we would learn some things, some character traits that, uh, that we could apply to our life. And as we end this, this year strong, come on, we want to end 2023 strong, we want to finish strong, and we head into 2024, then uh, that, that we're allowing God to change us and we're applying his word, and to our, his word to our lives. So uh, we're going to be in this for the next few weeks, uh, looking at sections of the Christmas story and focusing on these character traits. And today we're going to focus on Joseph. And it's always interesting to me when I think about Joseph, um, we really don't have a whole lot of information about Joseph in the Bible. Uh, we see Joseph in the Christmas story. Uh, we see Joseph as, uh, as we're going to see him today in the, some of the parts we're going to read. We see Joseph when Jesus is about 12 years old and there's that incident where uh, they leave Jerusalem and Jesus stays behind and they don't realize it for a few days and then you know Mary's like, hey, where's, where's our son? And they go back and they find him and he's in the temple and he's, you know, uh, there with all of the religious leaders. And so we see Joseph there. And then after that, you really don't see Joseph anywhere else. Um, we really don't know, you know, you can speculate and people do that of what happened to Joseph. We really don't see him from that point forward. Um, but today I want to I just pull out just a few verses in a couple of different places. And I want us to, to put ourselves in uh, in Joseph's shoes, if we will, and see uh, some character traits that, that he had that I think would be good for us to have, especially in this season as we go into a brand new year. It's a great opportunity to allow the Holy Spirit to do a work in us. And so here's point number one uh, that I want to start with. If you're taking notes, you can write this down, is that Joseph was a man of integrity. Joseph was a man of integrity. So look with me. This is in Matthew chapter 1. And I want to read verses 18 and 19. It says, This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. So if you put yourself in this story, the angel has showed up to Mary and, and, and made the announcement that, hey, you're going to be pregnant. It's going to be, it's going to be the Son of God. And it, it, it's always interesting to me that somehow this news is broken to Joseph. Somehow Joseph finds out, I don't know, is it, is it Mary that goes to him and it's like, you know, you might want to sit down. 
for a minute because I have something I need to tell you. And she goes through this story of, you know, angel shows up, pregnant, you know, it's, it's God's baby. And, if, and it's easy for us to gloss over because we know the end of the story. So we read the Christmas story every year and we're like, you know, mm, we just read through it like it's no big deal because we know how it all turns out. But if you were to put yourself in that situation, how would you handle it? If you were to put yourself there in Joseph's shoes in that moment, how would you handle it? I mean, would you, would you do the right thing? Would you be honoring to the person? I mean, would you, would you believe what, what she was saying or what the other person was saying? I mean, if you put yourself in the situation, it changes it a little bit. And I think it's important for us to think about how we would respond if we found out something like this. And we may not find out something exactly like this, but there are things that happen that catch us off guard in our lives. And even in this season, there are things that happen that catch us off guard. And we have to, we have to think about how do we handle difficult things? How do we handle difficult situations? How do we handle circumstances that we did not see coming? Right? Some of us, we, we posted on social media. Anybody ever done that before? Something difficult happened, something happened that you didn't like, somebody did something to you or said something about you and, and, and you felt like it was the right thing to do to go to social media and kind of put your thing out there. Sometimes, you know, if, if in this situation in particular, you know, some of us, we would be like, you know, I don't know if I believe you, like God's baby, okay, you know, like God's baby, um, I'm about to own half of everything that you have. You know, like this is not, this, this is not, this is not how we're going to do this, right? Some of us, like, we would handle it in that way. Some of us, um, we would make sure that everybody knew what had happened to us. You've been in a difficult situation, and no, no condemnation. I know that we all handle things in different ways, and God's working on us. And, but you've been in a situation, and, and uh, something happened to you, so you got some people together, and you were talking about what happened to you, and talking about how you were right, and they were wrong, and they shouldn't have done that, and they shouldn't have done this. How do you, how do you handle things? Do, do you handle things that happen in your life with integrity? Do you live your life with integrity? Is there, like, because when we look at Joseph's life, there are, there are a couple of things that, that the Bible says about Joseph. It says he was a righteous man, and it says that he didn't want to disgrace Mary. It says he was a righteous man. In other words, he wanted to do what was right. He was careful to do what was right. But he also didn't want to disgrace the other person who was in the equation. One thing that I read about, about this, uh, about the life of Joseph, said when Joseph found out about Mary's pregnancy, he knew the child was not his, and his respect for Mary's character and her sincere explanation, as well as her attitude toward the expected child, must have made it hard to think that his bride had done something wrong. Still, someone else was the child's father, and it was mind-boggling to accept that the someone else was God. Joseph decided he had to break the engagement, but he was determined to do it in a way that would not cause Mary public shame. He intended to act with, and I love this statement, justice and love. He, he was a righteous man, but he didn't want to disgrace Mary in the process. And so I want to talk about these things for just a moment before we go on to the, to the next point. He was a righteous man. Joseph was somebody who wanted to obey 
the law. Joseph was somebody who wanted to honor God's word. He was somebody, he was a man who was willing to do the hard thing because it was what the situation called for. You ever had a situation that called for you to do something very difficult, something extremely hard, but you knew it was the right thing to do? But just because it was the right thing to do didn't mean that it wasn't the hard thing to do. And you have to make a decision in that moment. Am I going to do the right thing even though the right thing is the hard thing? Or am I going to cave in this moment and, and compromise my integrity? It's important for us to, even when it's the hard thing, to always do the right thing. Somebody once said, if you're ever wondering what is the next best thing for you to do, do the next best right thing. What is the next right thing that, that God would have you do? And Joseph is willing to do the right thing, even though it's the hard thing. And sometimes we miss how it's the hard thing, but he was willing to do it, even though it was going to be a difficult thing. Joseph was prepared to do what was right, despite the pain that he knew it was going to cause to someone that he loved, and even to himself. The people that were going to find out, the things that were going to be said, the losing somebody that he was supposed to be marrying, that that he was in love with, that they were going to spend the rest of their lives together. And he knew, man, this is going to be really, really hard. But here's what you have to understand is in that culture, uh, Joseph probably thought there, there's one of two options in this situation, right? There's, there's what he was choosing to do where he can, you know, like, I don't want to do this publicly. I'm, we're going to kind of do this behind the scenes. But the right thing to do is this is not my child. And so the law would say, you remember, you remember the lady that they brought to Jesus? And they, they put her at Jesus' feet and they said, we've caught her in, in the act of adultery. And they said, here's what the law requires. The law says we should stone her. We should all get a rock and we should throw these rocks at her until she dies because of what she's done. And Joseph knows this is, this is the culture we live in. So he thinks, man, Mary could be stoned or we could try to do this quietly. There's only... There's only a couple of options, but how many of you are thankful that God has a way of providing a third option <laughs> that changes the story forever? In fact, is anybody, is anybody thankful today for the third option? You've had some third options in your life where you thought it was either going to be this or this, and somehow God opened a door, and you're like, whoo, I don't know how God opened this door for me to do it in this way, but thank God for the third option. Thank God that there's another way to go about this or to do this. Here's the second thing that uh, about Joseph as he prepared to do what he thought was right is that he didn't want to disgrace Mary. Joseph, he not only wanted to do what was technically right, but he wanted to do it, don't miss this, in the right way. He didn't just want to do what was right. Have you ever, have you ever done what was right and did it in the wrong way? And you thought back later and you thought, man, that was the right thing to do, but I did not do that in the right way. I did the right thing, but my attitude wasn't right. I did the right thing, but I hurt people in the process of doing the right thing because I didn't do the right thing in the right way. It's not just important to do the right thing, but it also matters how you do the right thing. And Joseph was this man of integrity who's like, I know what the right thing is, what the law says I should do, like what, what I'm supposed to do technically in this situation, but I also want to do it in the right way. I don't want it to be a public thing. I don't want it to disgrace her. Like, I want to do the right thing, but I want to do it in the right way. And it is possible to do the right thing in the wrong way. I was thinking about some situations where maybe you, you know, you felt led to go to somebody and you saw something in their life and you went to them and it was the right thing to do, but you went in the wrong way. 
you had the wrong spirit about you. You had, it wasn't like a, a, a trying to bring them back. It was a, I'm going to make my point. Somebody said one time, you can, you can make a point or you can make a difference, but you can't make both. And sometimes we're, we're trying to do the right thing, but in the wrong way. And we're trying to make a point that this is the right thing. But we're not going to make a difference in that person's life by trying to make a point that this is the right thing. So you can do the right thing, but do it in the wrong way. We have to, we have to I think, take a lesson from Joseph and say, you know what? I'm going I'm to be a person who does the right thing, but I'm always going to do it in the right way. I'm going to have the right attitude about it. I'm going to have the right spirit about it. Joseph was a man of integrity. He wanted to do what was right. He wanted to do it in the right way. He wanted to honor God and honor Mary. Honor God and honor the other person in the equation. Honor God and honor the other people that may have done something to you that wasn't right, that really hurt you, that you would really like to get back at them, but you know this is the right thing to do, and this might be the hardest thing to do right now, but this is the right thing to do, and I'm going to do the right thing, and I'm going to do it in the right way, and I'm going to live with integrity. So here's the question. What do people say about you in the way that you handle difficult situations? If you were to ask your spouse, if you were to ask your kids, if you were to ask your parents, if you were to ask your coworkers, if you were to ask your closest friends, if we were to go to them and say, hey, how does this person handle difficult situations? What would they say? What would they say? Well, they always handle it with integrity. They handle it in the right way. They do the right thing, even when the right thing is difficult sometimes. Or would they say the opposite? We want to we be people who live our lives as believers, as followers of Jesus with integrity. Always doing the right thing, always doing it in the right thing or in the right way. So what does the Bible say about integrity? Just a few verses I want to read to you. Psalm 41, 12 says, You have preserved my life because I am innocent. Some translations put the word integrity in there. You have brought me into your presence forever. Proverbs 10, verse 9, People with integrity walk safely but those who follow crooked paths will be exposed. Titus 2.7, And you yourself must be an example to them by doing good works of every kind. Look at this. Let everything that you do reflect the integrity and seriousness of your teaching. In other words, live out what you're saying. Live out what you're saying. Like what you're saying has integrity, what you're saying is serious, and the things that you do need to reflect the integrity and the seriousness of the things that you're saying. If you're going to claim to be a Christian and a follower of Jesus, then live that way. Live with integrity. Live that out in front of the people around you. James 4, 17, I love this verse. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. (laughs) To which we would say, how many of us have sinned? If it's a sin to know what you ought to do and not do it, you know the right thing to do, you know what God's calling you to do, you know what you're supposed to do, but you don't do it. 1 Peter 3, 16 says, but do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear or live with integrity. Why? Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. And I would even take this a step further and say, what would it look like in your life to live with such integrity that when somebody decided to talk about you to other people, the other people looked in at your life and thought, I hear what you're saying, but I don't see it. Like you're saying one thing, but their life reflects something completely different. You're, like, you're trying to tell me this, but when I look at their life and the way that they live, I see nothing but integrity. I see nothing but somebody who does the right thing and does it in the right way all the time. 
live your life in such a way that even if people speak against you, they'll be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. And here's one thing I think we can learn from the character of Joseph is that God honors integrity. God honors integrity. When we live our lives with integrity, God honors that. He honors that. And sometimes, listen, isn't this true? Sometimes living your life with integrity means that you might technically miss out on some things that you didn't want to miss out on. You have, you have an opportunity. It's like, I really want that in my life, but to get that in my life, I'm going to have to compromise my integrity, and so I'm going to leave that alone, and I'm going to keep my integrity and allow God to honor my integrity and me not go after something that I think I deserve or that I think I want. Come on. We're tempted in life sometimes to just compromise, just a little, just a little here, just a little there, just a little there to try to get what we want or what we think we deserve. But here's what you need to know. God honors integrity. And when you live your life with integrity, God sees that. And God will honor that. So let me ask you this question before we go on to the next point. Is Are you a man or a woman of integrity? Are you a person of integrity at work? Are you a person of integrity in your marriage? Are you a person of integrity at home? Are you a person of integrity when handling money? Are you a person of integrity with your taxes? I'm just going to let that sit there for just a minute. <laughs> like, are you, and, and I don't want to just harp on that, but here's the point. Are you a person of integrity in every area of your life? There's not an area of your life where you're like, oh, compromise a little bit here, and we'll, mm, we'll try to, like, you know, do this over here or whatever, because here's, here's the thing. God honors integrity. And when you live with integrity, to the world, it might look like you're missing out on things. To the world, it might look like, well, you could have had that, but you're going to choose this. You're going to choose to not do that or not go there or not partake in that or whatever. Like, everybody's doing that, and that's how you're going to get the bonus, and that's how you're going to get the raise, and that's how you're going to get the friends, and that's how you're going to get people in your life, and that's how you're going to get to the next step, and that's how you're going to get to where you really want to go is you got to do this. And God says, no, you don't. When you live with integrity, I'll honor a life of integrity. I'll honor somebody. I'll honor somebody who lives their life with integrity. So let's be people, let's be followers of Jesus who do that. We live with integrity in every area of our life because God honors integrity. Here's, here's the second thing, is that Joseph was a man of obedience. Joseph was a man of integrity. Joseph was a man of obedience. I want to talk about obedience for a moment, and I want to look in a couple of places of uh, of the Christmas story. Matthew, the next few verses in Matthew 1, verses 20 through 25, says, as he considered this, what is he considering? He's considering breaking off the relationship. Like, I don't know, like, this is, this is what I think I have to do. And so he's considering this, and as he's considering this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. You know what I notice about Joseph's obedience? Joseph's obedience was immediate. Joseph's obedience was immediate. It says that 
when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded. He has this dream. He wakes up and he says, I'm going to be obedient to what God has just told me to do. His obedience was immediate. Look a little bit later in the story. This is Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. It says, After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until I tell you to return, because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. That night, somebody say that night. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother, and they stayed there until Herod's death. This, this fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet, I called my son out of Egypt. Joseph's obedience was so immediate that in the middle of the night, when he wakes up and he has had this vision from the Lord, this dream, he gets up in the middle of the night, gets Jesus and Mary, and they leave immediately to obey what God said to do. And here's another thing about his obedience. His obedience was all the way. Anybody ever obeyed a little bit? It's like, well, I, like I did what God said, kind of. He, he left in the middle of the night, and the instruction was to go to Egypt and stay there. Stay there, and then we know later on in the story that he calls him back, and he says, hey, he has another dream. He says, hey, okay, Herod's dead, you can go back, and then he, they end up not going back, and they go to another place, and, and that's a different, different time. We can talk about that. But what Joseph did, he got up in the middle of the night, and he went, and he stayed there. He did everything that the angel told him, everything that God had spoken to him to do. Immediately and all the way. Now, I just want to take a poll for a minute. Can we just have a little fun for just a moment? Anybody ever put anything together in your house? You ever put together a cabinet, put together a bookshelf, put together a toy? Come on. Some of us will be doing that a lot on Christmas, be putting together a lot of toys. Now, here, here's the poll. How many of you, when you're going to put something together, you get the instructions out, you read the instructions, you follow the instructions. Can I see your hand? You're an instruction follower. You're going to follow the instructions, make sure that everything is exactly where it's going to be. Okay. Now, for the rest of you, here we go. Okay. Now, how many of you, you pull that thing out and you're like, I got this. I don't need the instructions. Come on. Can I see your hand? You don't even look at it. You look at the picture and you see the picture and you're like, woo, look at the picture. I can look at the picture and I can figure it out. And if you're like me, I, there have been, and there are some of us that fall into this category. There's a third category. You pull out the instructions and you do a little bit with the instructions and then you get about halfway through and you're like, I think I got it. I think I got it. And I've done that before. And let me tell you what happened to me when I did that before. I got to a certain point in the process to where I had to go back and undo the last seven things that I had done to get to the one screw that needed to be pulled out so that this one piece could go in there that had to be there because you can't finish the thing unless the one piece is there. Come on, is anybody with me? I followed the instructions, kind of. I followed the instructions to a point. And then I figured, I think that's enough. And don't we do this in life too? God will speak something to us and we'll, like, we'll kind of obey halfway. Like we'll two-thirds of the way obey. And God's like, I didn't ask you to two-thirds of the way obey. How many of you know that two-thirds obedience will, end you, will, will put you in a position that God did not intend for you to be in because you only obeyed two-thirds of the way and then you tried to figure out the other one-third on your own? We need to obey, come on, say, all the way. 
Joseph was a man of obedience. He was immediate obedience and all the way obedience. He did everything that God said. One writer said this, at this point, God sent a messenger to Joseph to explain that the child inside Mary had been conceived by the Holy Spirit and to, uh, to open another way of obedience for Joseph, to take Mary as his wife. And Joseph obeyed God, married Mary, and honored her virginity until after the baby was born. Joseph's role as guardian of God's son and of Mary is clearly seen in his response to the dream in which the angel of the Lord instructed him to flee to Egypt. Joseph immediately obeyed leading his family to Egypt in order to escape from Herod and later returning to settle in Nazareth instead of going back to Bethlehem. And I want you to think about it for a moment. When God speaks to you or prompts you to do something, do you obey immediately? And do you obey all the way? Do you obey immediately? And do you obey all the way? When God prompts you to bless someone, do you obey immediately? When God prompts you to give extravagantly in some area of your life, do you obey immediately? When God prompts you to step out in faith in some situation, do you obey immediately? And I was thinking as I was writing these things down, I was thinking about, many of you have heard it for the last few weeks, we've been talking about this $5 million miracle. We're believing God for a $5 million miracle, that there is, there is more, that there is something, there is, there is a house, if you will, that needs to be built for the people that are not here yet, that God has called us to reach. And we have $5 million worth of vision. And I, and I was talking with some people before I put that out there. And I was like, we really need to, like, I'm the kind of person I want to know, like, here's step one and here's step two and here's step three and here's where we're going and here's what we're doing and here's how we're going to do it or whatever. And then put it out there for people. And I felt like God said, no, you don't need that. You do not need that. What you need is faith. And what you need is obedience. And you need to step out and say, this is what God's calling us to. And I don't know what it looks like yet, but it's going to be awesome. And when God fulfills it, we're all going to celebrate together. And we're going to see God bring people, and we're going to see people saved and people baptized, just like we're going to see today. When God points out that you need to start treating your spouse better, do you obey immediately? Do you listen and say, yeah, I do need to do that. When God points out that you need to change the way you speak around your coworkers so that you can actually lead them to Jesus, do you obey immediately and do you obey all the way all the way when god prompts you to come down for prayer at the end of a service do you obey immediately i mean even in just the simple things that sometimes we allow pride to get in the way or our thinking to get in the way worship team you can come you can come help me and our tendency a lot of times is to question god or to take time to if you're like me i'm going to tell on me for just a moment Anybody ever felt like the Lord spoke something to you or, or impressed on your heart to do something? It's like, I think sometimes we're waiting on an audible voice of God, and God, like, typically, I'm not saying he can't, but I've never heard the audible voice of God. I've felt promptings from the Holy Spirit that were like, you need to do this. You need to say this. You need to go there. You need to go pray for that person. You need to pay for that for them. You need to whatever. And that's God speaking to me. But have you ever, um, have you ever, had God speak something to you and, and you're, you were like, okay, I'm going to think about that for a little bit. I'm going to think about that for just a moment. I'll think about, and, and in essence, what we're saying is I'm going to think about whether or not I'm going to be obedient to God. I, I was listening to something over the last couple of weeks and this man was talking about how he felt like the Lord prompted him uh, this holiday season to bless this family and to do something for this family. And so he he uh, went to his wife and said, I feel like 
I'm feeling like this might be what we're supposed to do, but maybe we need to pray about it. And she looked at him and she said, do you really think that the enemy is going to prompt you or tell you to be a blessing and to give this to them or to pay for this for them or to do this for this family or whatever? And he stopped and he said, yeah, I think you're right. I don't think we need to pray about it. I think we just need to be obedient. And some of us, we overthink everything. And we're like, man, I feel like God is telling me to do something. Let me think about it for a little bit. Let me try to figure out how that's going to work for me financially. Let me try to figure out if I can do what God said for me to do and still have enough left over to do what I want to do. Let me figure out, let me figure out, listen, let me, fig, let, me, let me try to figure out if we'll still have enough after we obey what God said to do. Can I just let you in on a little secret? And Paul wrote this, and we talked about this in Philippians, where he said, my God and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Can I, can I just tell you, God owns it all. He owns it all. And if God is prompting you or calling you to do something or asking you to do something, God already owns it all. He has it all. So let's just be obedient. Sometimes we want to think about it. Sometimes we want to... Have you ever felt like the Lord asked you to do something and you, you started having a conversation with God about all the things that you've already done for Him? God, are you, <laughs> God, you're asking me to do that, but I've already done this and this and this. God, you're asking me to bless them, but I've already forgiven them for what they did. You want me to bless them too? God, you're asking me to give how much? I already tithe every single month, and you want me to do what? God, you're asking me to change my attitude. I already did what you told me to do, even though I had a bad attitude and I didn't want to do it. I was obedient, and I did it, and God's like, take it a step further and tell your face. <laughs> Get a good attitude about it. You ever met that person? It's like, you all right? I'm good. It's like, you need to tell your face that you're good. I don't think, <laughs> I don't know if anybody would believe you right now. What if, what if we just became people who were obedient to God? And the truth about obedience, it reminds me of something, um, this story of, it's in 1 Samuel 15. It's King Saul, first king of, of Israel and the prophet Samuel says then Samuel said to Saul stop listen to what the Lord told me last night what did he tell you Saul asked and Samuel told him although you may think little of yourself are you not the leader of the tribes of Israel the Lord has anointed you king of Israel and the Lord sent you on a mission in other words the Lord gave you instructions he prompted you to do something he told you to do something and he told you go and completely destroy the sinners the Amalekites until they are all dead why haven't you obeyed the Lord Why did you rush for the plunder and do what was evil in the Lord's sight? But I did obey the Lord, Saul insisted. I carried out the mission he gave me. I brought back King Agag, but I destroyed everyone else. In other words, I obeyed 80%. But I just wanted to bring this guy back. And then he goes on to talk about, he says, Then my troops brought in the best of the sheep and the goats and the cattle and plunder to sacrifice to the Lord. In other words, I obeyed 80%. And I had good intentions for the other 20. I had a better idea. I thought I had a better idea. I was going to get this stuff and I was going to bring this person back. And I'm going to bring all this stuff back and we're going to sacrifice it to the Lord. And I'm going to give the Lord an offering. And Samuel's like, that's not what God told you to do. He didn't tell you to keep that stuff. He didn't tell you to bring this person back. He gave you instructions. It says, but Samuel replied, what is more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. And submission is better than offering the fat of rams rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft and stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols 
So because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. And listen, Saul's 80% of obedience landed him in a place that he didn't want to be in. And God said, I was just looking for you to obey all the way, 100%. I was thinking about that verse 23. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft and stubbornness is bad as worshiping idols. Have you ever been rebellious with the Lord? You ever thought about it as being rebellious with what God has asked you to do is as sinful as witchcraft? You ever been stubborn with the Lord? It says that stubbornness is as bad as worshiping idols. And Samuel's telling this to Saul, and, and thank God for the grace of God, and that we, you know, because we've all messed up in this area. And God can cover it and turn it around and we can become people who are fully obedient. And here's the, the, the last thing that I want to point out with the character of Joseph is that God honors obedience. God honors integrity and God honors obedience. And so what would it look like to live a life of immediate obedience to the Lord? No rebellion, no stubbornness, no delay, just obedience. Just obedience. We stand I want to pray for you and then we're going to have a moment to baptize some people. But I want to ask you this question while you're standing and then I'll have you sit down in just a moment. What would it, what would it look like in your life, listen, what would it look like in your life to be a person, a man or a woman of integrity in every area and to have immediate, all the way obedience? What could God do through a life lived with complete integrity and 100% obedience? Immediate. As soon as God says it, I'll do it. Here I am. Speak to me. I'm going to do it. So come on. Let's be people. Let's be followers of Jesus. But don't compromise a little bit here and a little bit here, but no. I'm going to live with complete integrity. And on top of that, when the Lord prompts me to do something, I'm not going to question it. I'm not going to try to figure out how it's going to work. I'm just going to obey. When he prompts me to talk to somebody, I'm just going to go talk to him. When it's to pay for somebody's groceries, it's, I'm just going to do it. Because I don't know what God's, we don't know what hangs in the balance of our obedience. We don't know how it can tip the scales for somebody else when we decide to obey. And God's been doing something in their life and been working in their heart. And whenever he prompts you to do something, it's the icing on the cake. And when you obey, it changes everything. Let's be people who obey. Let me pray for you. And then we're going to baptize several people, as you can see. I'm excited about it. It's awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. Lord, we thank you because you are good and you are faithful. Even when we were not faithful, you have always been faithful. When we were not serving you, you were still good and you were still faithful and you were calling us home. And Lord, I thank you right now for this moment that we have to celebrate with those who are following you in water baptism. To say the old is gone and the new has come. 
God, I pray you'd bless this time as we celebrate together in Jesus' name. Come on, and everybody said, amen, amen. You guys can sit down for just a moment if you want to.